Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon and the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 110 of Process to Profitability. Today, I'm talking about the secret to finding amazing clients and what to do with the ones who aren't. My business looks very different now that I'm working with the baby at home with me. Most of my work is done during nap time and in half hour increments when my little one is content to play on his own, always where I can see him. This shift has meant less time to send emails, scroll Facebook groups looking for clients, or brainstorm new marketing efforts. It's also meant that I have to focus the time that I do have on finding amazing clients and serving them really well. Today, I'm sharing how I found my dreamiest clients, what it looks like to serve clients well with limited time, and how I deal with clients who turn out to not be so dreamy. I want to start out by talking about why it's important to work with your dream clients, especially when you have limited time. When you're running a business, you know that there are a ton of things that have to get done, and you've probably heard me and other people talking about finding your dream clients or your ideal clients. Well, that's even more important when you have very limited time to work. And here's why. You want to build the best business that you can. That means serving clients well. It means finding referrals. It means building your portfolio. And the best way to do that is to find the clients you want to work with. They're going to lead you to other clients who are also your dream clients. So if you can spend your time serving the best clients possible for your business, then not only are you going to make a name for yourself in the industry, but you're going to have more projects to add to your portfolio that support what it is you want to do. And generally, those dream clients can connect you to other clients who are going to be really fun to work with as well. It's also really important for your peace of mind and for loving your job. If you have to spend the few hours a week you have working for clients who are frustrating or on projects that never get finished, then you're going to be frustrated with the work that you're doing. When you get to work with dreamy clients who get things done and who are just exactly what you were looking for when you created a certain service or package, then you are getting to do what you were called to do and You get to work with people who are a lot of fun because you have made it just for them. You know that you're giving them the best service possible. And when you're using your packages to serve your dream clients, you know that you're giving them what they need. So instead of having to throw in little things here and there or revamp your package every time a new client comes to you, if you've created something for a specific client and they are the one that hires you, then you know you've got what they need. You know exactly the process you need to take them through in order to get the results and get things wrapped up quickly, efficiently, and with great customer service. It has taken me years to figure out who my dream clients are. And it's changed in the past as well as I have shifted from brand design to just focusing on websites and depending on the packages that I'm offering. I've learned the hard way who my dream clients are. I took on anyone and everyone who would hire me when I first started out, which I think a lot of us do, and I learned which people I liked working with and which ones I didn't. 
I have had some really awesome clients who might not be my dream clients anymore, but were at the time. And that's okay too. Through all of this, I've learned what to look for in my potential clients now to make sure that they are going to be dreamy clients who are going to get the most out of what I can offer them. I have learned when I jump on a call with somebody or when I see that first email, the red flags to look out for and the things that I want to hear from people that mean that they are ready to work with me, that mean they're going to be on top of things, that they're going to get everything to me as quickly as possible, which is really important when you're trying to schedule things out with limited time and launch a website like I'm doing. So how do I take what I have learned from working with previous clients and make sure that I'm finding more dreamy clients for the future? I basically set up a vetting process, which means that when somebody lands on my website, I go through information on what it means to work with me, the different packages that I offer, and then I send them to an application. So instead of emailing me directly and saying, oh, I I heard that you are a website designer, I want all the information, tell me what it is you can do for me. I send them to an application where I can learn a little bit more about them and their business and what it is that they're looking for in a website. I found that if somebody is not willing to fill out that part of this process, then they're probably not my dream client because they don't want to go through even the 10 minutes that it would take to fill that out. And what I am doing when I'm designing a website takes a lot of time and effort, and it's an investment. And I want to make sure that the people that I am then getting on calls with and potentially working with are ready to jump into that for themselves. If I read an application and it's not a good fit, I'll send them an email and basically say, you know, I don't think that I am the best person to help you in this stage of your business, but here are some other people that I could recommend or some resources that might help you depending on what it was they wanted to do with their website. And if they are a good fit, then I have them schedule a call with me. So here's another place that I have found that I see red flags. I don't mind sending a follow-up email about scheduling a call. We all get busy, we forget, things get lost in our inbox. That's totally fine. But if I have to email somebody a whole bunch of times and they are not scheduling something, then I feel like they really don't take this seriously. Or if they just want to email back and forth instead of jumping on a 10-minute phone call, then they're probably not my dream client because they're not going to take the time to do the design review calls that I recommend and all of the other pieces of this process that can be a little bit time consuming. I want to make it as easy as possible for my clients and not take up as much time as I potentially could, but I also want to make sure that they are willing to put in the time that is needed in order to get their website done. So if somebody gets an email from me and doesn't schedule a call right away, that's okay. But if I have emailed them a couple of times and I haven't heard back, then I'll probably drop them off. I might follow up in a couple of months to just see if things have changed. I don't want to spend my time continually bugging someone by email to get on the phone with me because I want to work with people who are ready to get started on their project. 
the next step is actually doing that phone call. So what we will do when I jump on that call is have them tell me a little bit about their business and their website, and then I walk them through the process. We talk about uh, which platform might be best for them, which type of website design might be best with e-commerce or customization or just an informational website. And that way I can send them the most up-to-date information and they have been walked through exactly how I go about getting them strategic results from their website design. This is another place where I just get a good feel for somebody, whether they're friendly, whether they're responsive to what I'm doing, and whether or not I think what I offer is going to be the best thing for their business. That's what I've really found in these calls is that this step is all about making sure that I am a good fit for them so that they're getting what they need out of the thing that they are investing in. And if I feel like somebody else could serve them better or my process isn't going to work for them, then I'll let them know that so that they can look somewhere else and not feel like they've wasted time and money on a designer who isn't going to do exactly what it was that they expected when they hired them. And throughout the process, I'm constantly paying attention when my clients send me content or get back to me. If people are really slow in responding to things or if I've sent a couple of emails and heard nothing back, I keep a note in the back of my mind that this might be somebody that I have to watch because occasionally I do end up with a client who is not my dreamiest client as it turns out. And what I do there is what we're going to talk about next. But I always know which projects I have going on. I can see it in Dubsado where I keep my client management system. And so I know where we are and who has not been responding to emails or keeping up with their invoices. And that way, if I need to address a problem, I can do it sooner rather than later. So you might be wondering, where do you find these potential clients? I know I wondered this for a long time when I first started out in my business. It seemed like other people constantly had clients in the works, people who were inquiring or getting started on a project or things that just wrapped up, and I could not figure out where they found these people. If you have jumped into a Facebook group where there's a call for a designer or a photographer, you see that there are sometimes hundreds of responses. And that was never a way that I found potential clients because... I would just get lost in the voices that were there like so many other people did. What has been most successful for me as a designer is really two things. One is when I meet somebody either in person or virtually and actually have a conversation with them. So a couple of my clients I have met at networking meetings locally and when they are looking for a website designer, they'll follow up with me. Some of them I have met through my podcast, and when they need something, they'll reach out. But we've actually had a conversation. We've made a connection. We're friends already. Those are generally really great clients for me to work with because I know them. They know me. We have respect for each other's time. And if I have had somebody on the podcast and they're reaching out to me, it's because they trust me. They know what it is that I do, and I know that they, you know, followed up correctly to get scheduled, and they showed up on time, so we've already got that kind of vetting process down. The other place that I get a lot of my clients is through referrals. This is one of my biggest drivers of clients. I have been referred by people I have worked with and by people I haven't worked with 
but who I have had conversations with, maybe on the podcast or had coffee chats with. Once people know what it is that I do and they know that you know I'm friendly and I'm trustworthy, they send people my way. I have had some of my clients refer lots of other clients to me, which I love because that means they're already vetted, they already understand what it is that I do, they have an idea of my price range, and basically they're ready to work with me. They just need a quote to put on their budget and they need to make sure that I can do what it is they are looking to have done. Those are really quick phone calls that I take and we're usually ready to jump in within a week or two if it's a customization and then otherwise we get it on the schedule pretty quickly if it's something else. Those have been some of my very best clients because they know what it is that I do and the person who is referring them has already worked with me and so they understand my process, they understand my turnaround time and what I expect. And so they're not going to refer someone if they think we're not going to be a good fit. Honestly, I don't do very much to get these referrals. I don't offer an incentive program or anything like that. What I have found that brings me these referrals is that I serve my clients really well. I respond to emails quickly, I get things done, I'm willing to sit down and try to make things work even if it doesn't seem like they're going to the first time, and I'm honest in my communication. So if my client has requested a feature that I just cannot make happen, I will let them know that. I'll tell them that I've tried and that it just is not an option, and they appreciate that. So. It's not like I am driving referrals through ads or sending emails requesting them. All I'm doing is my job as well as I possibly can, and my clients know that and they appreciate that. When was the last time you checked to make sure your website was healthy? The only way to know if your website is serving your business and working correctly is to make maintenance a regular part of your to-do list. I've created a maintenance guide at lemonandthesea.com maintenance that will help you get a picture of how your website is performing, what's working and what isn't, and the things you can work on improving so that you can continue to show off your expertise and bring in more dream clients. Inside, you'll learn why website maintenance isn't something to put off until next week, 15 tasks you should be doing on a regular basis to maintain your website, and the tasks you need to do weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly. Get the guide at lemonandthesea.com maintenance. The next thing I want to talk about is how you can help your current clients and your future clients be dreamy clients. So not everybody who's going to come in and work with you already understands what it is that you do and your process. You have to keep that in mind because we spend so much time in our business that we know our process down pat. We have seen it all. We've done it a million times, but new clients coming in don't have that background. And so what we need to do as the service provider is make it really easy for them to know where things are going, to figure out how to get us what it is that we need. I do this through a couple of ways. I have systems in place that send questionnaires and follow-up emails so that I don't have to worry about missing something, but my clients get everything there with the explanations already written in. I also really focus on keeping my clients up to date. If I haven't talked to a client during the week, I send out an email every Friday to update them. And this goes for clients that maybe are behind on getting me content 
and I haven't heard from them, I will just check in and say, hey, let me know if I can help you with anything. But keeping them up to date on what's going on on my end and what I need from them really helps them to be dreamy clients because they know exactly where we are in the process and what they're expected to be doing. I also have some guides that I use, and there is a previous podcast episode on this, but I have guides for a lot of different things in my process because it can be confusing. SEO, analytics, writing content, all of that stuff is not easy, and it's not what most people spend their days doing. And so I will send those guides out throughout the process at the right time, and they just help my clients have a reference for what we're doing. There's a big one that goes out before we start a project that just goes back over all of the steps, what they'll be expected to do, a rough timeline, and all of these things help my clients know and understand what it is that we're doing. And then we can make tweaks as needed if we've discussed them, but I have all of this in place so it's easy for me to send them the information without having to do a phone call or type it all up every time. And it's easy for them to go back and reference it if they have questions later. All right, so that's a lot of stuff. And really what we're here to talk about is how do we serve well with a limited amount of time? On the podcast and in my business, I'm all about serving my clients well. I ask it of every guest and I focus on it so much. So how do we do that with a limited amount of time? Here's what I'm learning. When I was not a mom, I could sit at my desk for eight hours a day and send emails, check things out, I could scroll on Facebook, and it never really mattered because I had a lot of time to get done what I needed to get done. Now that I am a mom and I'm working in nap times and very short increments of time, I have to make sure that I'm focusing on what's most important. And in general, that's client work. So what I do is I make my calendar around when I have client work that needs to be done. Sometimes that means that I'm onboarding somebody or offboarding somebody. Sometimes it means that I'm sending questionnaires or reviewing information. Some days it means that I don't have client work because they have to get me content and I don't have it yet. So I build my schedule around what I need to do for my clients first, and then everything else goes in around that. So scheduling social media, writing on Facebook posts, all of that kind of stuff goes secondary. And what I have found that really works when I have this limited amount of time and I'm trying to get a lot done in a very short time is firstly, honest communication. We've already talked about this, but if I get an email from a client and I won't be able to get to something for a few days, I send them a short blurb to just say, hey, I got your email. I won't be able to get to this right away, but it's on my schedule for such and such a date. I think it'll be done by this time. That lets them know that I haven't just completely forgotten about them or dropped the ball. I also let them know, you know, I have been working on this and I really need you to get me content by this date in order to stay on schedule. I am just always talking with my clients about how I can serve them best, whether that's because of something I need from them or extra things that I can do in my business. Another thing that I do in order to serve my clients well is focus on a few projects at a time. So I have cut this number down even more since I got back from maternity leave, partly because I didn't have a huge waiting list of projects, 
when I got back. So right now I'm really working on one big project and then one ongoing client. And occasionally I'll get an email from somebody else and I can do that in just half an hour and so I'll jump on it. But other than that, I am scheduling things out. I'm really telling people, you know, I want to help you, I am here for you, but I've got to put it on my schedule for next week or two weeks from now so that I am not overloading myself with things to get done and stressing myself out. When I can do that, I can serve my clients better because I don't feel rushed to get from one thing to the next. And instead, I can really focus on the website I'm designing. I can go through and make sure that I'm doing the best work possible because I don't also have these other projects over here that I need to think about. And like I mentioned before with honest communication, following up consistently. When I am in need of something from a client as far as content or whatever else it is that I'm missing from them, I will follow up not every day, but every couple of days or at least every week and let them know, I can't keep working on your project until I have this information from you. And if it's been a couple of weeks and I haven't heard, then I'll tell them, you know, I'm going to push this project off. Let me know when it is that you're ready to jump back in. You know, I don't want to just completely dismiss what it is that we're working on, but I also don't have time to worry about having empty blocks of time on my schedule. I need to make sure that I'm working on the client work that I can do and everything else can come later. The last thing I want to talk to you guys about today, and we've mentioned this already, was dealing with clients who turn out to not be so dreamy. So we talked about vetting clients, and hopefully that will help make sure that most of your clients are really great, they're people you love working with, they're good at you know following along with your process and getting you stuff on time, but sometimes we just misjudge. Or, as has happened to me, We know that there are red flags and we still take on somebody anyway, whether it's because we want the money or we think it's a good step for the future, whatever it may be. Sometimes we just take on clients we really knew we shouldn't, but then we have them on our roster and we need to do something about that. So first thing I do, like I've talked about so much, is communication. I send a lot of emails. I give them a lot of grace. I will send an email every Friday to follow up, to check in, to offer help. And if I don't hear back and I don't hear back and I don't hear back, then I know something needs to be done. My next step, and this has been hard for me, is really having somebody to talk to when this happens. So instead of me just getting frustrated and sending off an email that I would probably regret, I talk to my husband about it a lot, you know, as far as, okay, this is the situation I'm in. How long do you think I should give them to get back to me? What do you think I should do as far as following up with them? And he gives me good ideas. He reads through my emails if I have to send a hard email so that, you know, we're really keeping the business in line with the values that we want, but we're also not putting my business in jeopardy or putting my schedule in jeopardy by continuing to hold on to things that I should let go. So once I've talked to him about it and we've made a decision, usually what he tells me to do is to draw a hard line. This is why I have contracts, and you can go back and listen to a couple episodes about contracts in the podcast, but I have a contract that lays out 
when invoices are due, what happens if we need to pause a project, what happens if I don't hear back from you, you know, what happens if there's a payment that's late. I have all of that laid out in a contract and it's changed over time as I've come up against other problems or issues so that I can cover them in there. But what I end up doing is going back to the contract. I check the one that I sent to that client. It's all in Dubsado, so it's really easy to do. And I'll look at it and I'll say, okay, they are now 30 days late on paying this invoice. So what does it say that I can do here? Well, okay, it says I can charge them a late fee and it says that I can put the project on hold and I will only resume it once they've paid the invoice and we've worked out a time that fits with my upcoming schedule. I don't jump back on it right away if I don't have time. I will then sit down and send an email to my client that basically says, you know, this is what's been going on. This is what my contract says. So this is what we're going to do. If you don't pay this invoice in the next five days, then I'm going to put the project on hold and we will only resume it once the invoice is paid and when it fits into my schedule. It's not that I want to be mean, it's that I have to keep those boundaries in place. And I am one for giving a lot of grace in this area. I will push that deadline back and back and back and I hardly ever actually attach late fees to an invoice. But I like having it there so that it's an option and so that I can state it to my clients. So if somebody has paid their invoices and that's all good, but we just have not wrapped up this project. There's still content they need to get me and I can't move forward without it. What I'll do is send them an email that says, hey, I need content from you and according to the contract that you signed, you know, we can put this pause in. So you know, we can pause it for 30 days if you want so that you have time and then I'll get it back on my schedule once you're ready. Or we can, you know, work something out where we just wrap this project up now. And then I give them the option. What I have found that is most effective and it's best for most me and my clients is when they're struggling to keep up with something because life happened, they were overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that goes into a new website, whatever it is, I will offer to say, okay, this is what the contract says, you do owe me this money or you do owe me this content or whatever it is, but we can wrap this project up quicker if we just do it this way. We could cut back on a few pages, um, we could launch it without all of the final content, whatever it is, I figure out a way to wrap up the project quickly in a way that's going to give them a good website that does what it needs to do but might not have all of the features that we had originally planned. So it gets it off of my plate. It gets it out of my mental space and it helps my client because then they've got a website out there in the world. They don't have to worry about that coming soon page staying up forever and they no longer have to feel the pressure of getting stuff to me or paying me like more money to finish something. I found that that's pretty effective because it gives them the option of saying, you know what, you're right. I just do not have time to finish this up. What I would like to do is launch it with just a couple of pages. I need to get you like one more thing and then we'll be good to go. That helps me because then it's done. And if they have agreed to that, it kind of gets me out of my contract. I can and have said, well, we'll come back to the rest of it as a phase two if you know there's a lot left to do. Or 
I'll say, okay, well, this is in place of these other things that we had mentioned, but because we're running so far behind, we're just going to launch it and we're going to wrap it up there. And we're going to leave the project as is. And if you want to do more stuff in the future, then that'll be extra. We'll do a new contract and new invoices and all of that. This is really hard for me to do, honestly, because I want to give my clients exactly what I promised them, but sometimes I can't do that. And it's not because I haven't tried or because I don't have the time or the capacity. It's just because the two of us are not working well together and we need to be able to call it quits. The other time that I have had to deal with a client who has been not so dreamy is when we were starting out with the contract. So no invoices had been paid yet. We were just trying to get things done. And I've had clients who have come back and asked for changes to a contract, which is fine most of the times. But there have been people who have asked for a lot of changes to a contract and basically have asked me to rework everything that I have in place. And what I've done then is have said, you know, this is the way that I work. If you are looking for these things that you've listed that you would like, then I think you actually need to hire somebody else. Maybe it's a VA, maybe it's, you know, somebody who could help you with blogging, whatever it is. You know, I don't think a website designer is the best fit. So even though they've gotten through the rest of the process and I've kind of started them along the way, I've sent those first couple of welcome emails. If I find early in that process, especially before an invoice has been paid, that we aren't a good fit, that there's a communication error, then I will send them that hard email and say, you know what, I actually don't think that this is going to be what's best for your business and for my business. And people have been really understanding about that because they don't want to invest the time and money into something if they're not going to get out of it what they need to get out of it. You know, not everybody needs a full website redesign. Not everybody needs to have all of the strategies. Sometimes people just need someone to add blog posts to their websites. And that's not what I do. And if I figure out somewhere along the way that that's what they're looking for, then I will say, you know what? I think what you're doing is awesome, but this is not what I do best. And I usually try to refer them to somebody else who might be able to help them. So I hope that helps you guys, you know, really take a look at who it is that you're serving as far as who your dreamy clients are and how you can do that with a limited amount of time. I know that this is a really hard part of running your own business is making sure that all of those ducks are in a row, that you've got the best clients possible and that you're serving them well. And I know especially that it's hard when somebody turns out to not be so dreamy because you just want it off of your plate but you also know that you've got to finish things up right. So I've been there. I totally understand. But I hope that you can take away a couple of lessons from this. As we're wrapping up today, I want to leave you with three action steps. One is to look back on your past clients and make a list of what your dreamiest clients had in common. If you're not sure who your ideal client is, this is a great way to do that. For me, when I did this, I discovered not that they were all photographers or in the wedding industry, but that they had a heart to serve the people they worked for, that they were really good at what it was they were doing, but they weren't sure how to get all of the business side of things set up. And those are the people I love working with. Number two is set up a vetting system for potential clients. I mentioned that I have an application and then we do a phone call. 
have something that is going to make sure that before you sign a contract and get an invoice out there, that the people you're going to work with are people who are really going to benefit from the service you offer and who are going to be a joy for you to serve. And number three is take some time this week to follow up with any troublesome clients you have and give yourself permission to draw the hard line if you need to. Refer back to the contract that you have, send that hard email, and just make sure that you are moving forward in your business and take a lesson from whatever it is that went wrong so that you can make different decisions in the future. If you liked this episode, I would love it if you would leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show and it makes a big difference as far as bringing on guests and how I can continue to keep running this podcast and bringing you this type of content.